Well, ever since Ian Jackson's commitment to North Carolina, we've speculated that the coaching staff was all in on Jaron Stevenson as a potential fifth commit in the 2024 class. But now, Jason Jordan, we know for sure. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, February 9th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shea. Joining me today is our guy, Jason Jordan, our college basketball recruiting insider. want to thank you so much for joining us and tell you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Coming up on the show, got some great news for Elliot Cadeau that will potentially benefit both he and the Tar Heels long-term. And we'll get to know defensive back transfer Mr. Derek Allen and his family ties to the UNC program. But before we get there, we're going to talk Jaron Stevenson. And by the way, we'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official recruiting insider sponsor across the locked on network these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business that's why linkedin jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free post your job right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply jason jordan north carolina already we've talked about this has four commits in the class of 2024 just a windfall of talent great stuff there as we've talked about though they are not done we we've speculated maybe jaron stevenson maybe trenton flowers and others but it's clear now that they have zeroed in on jaron stevenson as their primary target for commit number five Here's why we believe that. Last Tuesday, the entire coaching staff, Hubert Davis, Brad Frederick, Jeff Lebo, and Big Sean May were all in attendance to watch Stevenson and his team, Seaforth, play. All sitting in a line on the baseline. Hubert Davis just taking it all in like this. Jason Jordan, do you agree with me that that's what this indicates? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an unwritten. I mean, it's not even unwritten. It's probably written down somewhere when we do this <laughs> When the when the staff comes uh, with everybody, even probably some of the managers were in the in the stands. <laughs> that means that they aren't just giving you lip service when they say that they are making you a priority. They are absolutely showing and proving, and um, you know they they did that in full force. I mean, I, he didn't disappoint. I think he had like 30, 39 and whatever it was was a season high thirty nine and fourteen. I think I got the numbers like here. Yeah, he scored thirty of their fifty six. So over half their points, 14 boards, as you said, three assists, three steals, and five blocks. That's insane. Yeah, I think it may have gotten him hype that they were there. We'll call it a hunch. Um, So, you know, everybody's felt like that, uh, you know, Jaron was Carolina's to lose. And, I mean, taking that stand and it's given off, like, obviously your priority. But also, we want to close this thing. Like, we don't – because you're going to get hot. You know, and so we we want to if we have the momentum, let's go ahead and you know let's close the up. deal. Yep. Let's close the deal. Yeah. Well, because I know a lot of Tar Heel people were worried because there there was some Duke talk. Maybe he uh, do I remember correctly? He he took a like maybe an unofficial visit to Durham or something like that. 
Yeah, I've heard some rumblings with stuff like that. So, I mean, they make sense. The timing of it makes a lot of uh, sense for um, for that. Cause, you know, and then you know, as the as your star grows, other things can come into play. I mean, Duke can come knocking, Kentucky can come knocking, and you know, none of the even though even if you have the upper hand, you don't want the girl looking at the other uh, uh, the other star quarterback across town. You know what I mean? Because he throws touchdowns too. He may or may have not, may or may not have have beaten your high school. You know, we'll use that analogy. Um, so it's just like, yeah, you know, let's go. You know, let's let's go all in. Let's you know knock this thing out. And coaches are like that though. They they don't like the stress of recruiting. <laughs> None of them do. Um, so they they always want to go ahead and close the deal as early mm-hmm. as possible. Jason, how often do we see this level of attendance from not only the head coach, but all three? You know, we see like, oh, Hubert Davis and one assistant is at this place or this assistant. Like, how often do we see the head coach and all three assistants together in one gym for one guy? Yeah, that's 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 pretty rare. Um, it's usually they'll do it after somebody is committed just mm-hmm. to kind of show that you're a part of the family. We told you we're a family and we're all here for you because we're all family. Or when they're like, hey, man, I'm not just talking, you know, I'm showing you. You're our only guy. We're putting all our cards on the table. We want everybody because we know this will be tweeted out. We know the pictures will be here of all of us in a row. So the other guys that we're talking to, we don't even care if they see that we're here full force for you and not them because you're our guy. You know, so we hope that means a lot to you. We hope it shows you how much we want you. And we're hoping that that's going to secure your commitment really soon. And to that point, what what does it say? Like if I'm Trenton Flowers and I see this pop up on social media, what, how does that make me feel? What do I think? How are recruits processing that kind of thing when they're not the the one that the entire coaching staff is there for? Well, I mean, it shows that you're you're not the top tier. You're you're the next tier, um, and it shows who they want and who they'll take. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, it, it, it will raise some questions. I mean, I've definitely heard it. I mean, that's not uncommon for moms to say, well, we saw that you went full force. Did you did you not know that my kid was playing? I've heard that a million times. Did you not know that my kid was playing on Tuesday? I mean, you came on Monday. You know, uh, can you guys all come out on Tuesday? Because that would really show us some stuff. And most of the time that's, a, oh, no, we got to schedule a conflict or this or that. Um, but that is very common for the – I'm sure they got those calls or texts like, oh, OK, well, I see where I see who y'all really want. I've seen I've heard that a cool million times. I mean, these, these parents don't hold back with these coaches now. No, I'm telling you, they 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 let them have it. The, your favorite coaches, <laughs> the ones you think are on a pedestal. Oh, no, these parents don't care about none of that. Whew. Well, and, and to the point about the coaches, Jason, and I know it can come from different places, but who initiates a step like this? Is that? Typically, and I know you can't speak to this exact scenario, but right. is that from Hubert Davis down? Like, hey, boys, lock up, let's go. All four of us are in. Or is that coming from, like, let's say in this scenario, I can't remember off the top of my head, but let's say Sean May has been the lead recruiter and he says, hey, uh, Coach Davis, I, I really think it'd help if all four of us were there for this game. You know, how, how does that usually go off? Usually, uh, especially how Huber's run things, it's usually him top man down. Um, but it, it can come from the lead assistant or whoever's the lead on that player um, to be like, hey, I think it to your exactly what you said. Hey, if he really is our priority, what game can we all get to? Like, mm-hmm. because 
it's starting to heat up, man. He's averaging 30, or he just had 38 the other night. Yeah, I saw the, the I, coaches tell me this. Did you see all the impressions on that, on the tweet, the highlight tweet he had? Man, we got to close this thing. I've heard that multiple yeah. times. That's not even uncommon. So um, all these things play. A, you wouldn't think so because you're like, oh, these guys are above that. They're so mature. No, they're not. No, they're not. They, they, they all look at these things. They all have um, social media experts who look at stuff like that and look at the likes on it and look who's, who's really trending and things like that. Um, of the people that you want, that said, you know. Um, so all these things come into play. But, yeah, it's usually, especially for North Carolina, because he was very hands-on, which is why he's so successful. Um, and so I'm confident that that was his call. And especially in this scenario, in terms of what game can we get to, thankfully, this is just down the road uh, from yeah. Apple Hill. And so not a very yeah. difficult travel. Well, from a guy who Carolina hopes will be the fifth addition to this recruiting class to one who is already locked up, Elliot Cadeau received a, received a prestigious national honor and one that could long term provide benefit both to him and the Tar Heels. Jason and I will explain in just a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our brand new betting partner at the Locked On Network because they are the number one sportsbook in all of America. And if you're new to FanDuel, man, that's even better. Why? It's got so many great features on their app to make betting on sports fun and easy. So download the FanDuel app right now to bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Man, this FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid instantly for your winnings. I personally use this for all my daily fantasy stuff, and, and let me encourage you that what I'm telling you is right on. It's great stuff at FanDuel. So join today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim that no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Jason, we move, by the way, who's going to win the Super Bowl on Sunday? Definitely have the Chiefs winning. Uh, Definitely, the Super Bowl. yeah, yeah. Wouldn't mind seeing uh, Jalen Hurts take it, but uh, I just I don't see it happening. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I, I have a hunch. Get, give him home right. two weeks to get that ankle healed up. He's gonna be good. Yeah, to go. I, I think he's coming for that. Time. I think he's coming for that hardware. That's my guess. Yes, it'll be fun to see. Well, folks, Elliot Cadeau, uh, you might know or might be aware that he has some family connections to Sweden. We'll let uh, Jason just tell a little bit more about that. But because of that, he has been called by Sweden to be part of uh, these national team qualifiers for the upcoming FIBA World Cup. Now, a little bit behind the scenes on it, Sweden is not going to qualify for the event, but there is another qualifying window that they are able to, uh, to take part in here coming up in later February. There are 14 players called for this. From what I've read and from everything I can understand, they will keep 12, but a great opportunity at the least for him to go and participate with some of these professional players 
um, and, and experience that as a high school senior. Now, uh, Link Academy, where he's playing at down in Branson, Missouri, is off to a hot start this year, playing really well. And uh, this is an opportunity for him to potentially take a next step. So, Jason, would you just talk a little more about this, some of the, the behind the scenes on it and, and some of these connections? Yeah, well, I think it's his mom. I, I think it's his mom, not his dad, who is Swedish. That's my reminder. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's his mom. I think her name is Michelle. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he played for the um, national team this summer, a junior national team, and he was dominant. I mean, he dominated. <laughs> so that's really where his coming out party was. Um, he had 36, I think it was 36 points in the title game. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was where the star was born. That was where the, you know, everybody's heads were turned. And so that's when everybody, that's when Elliot Cadeau, was like, oh, Elliot. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so then he went to Peach Jam because he was out. Went to Peach Jam and averaged about 15 a game and really kind of, you know, had some starring games there, but showed all the, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's he's the one. He's the next one. And so um, and he wasn't even 100 percent at Peach Jam. He talked to me about that a couple times. And so, you know, then he went to Elite 24. And every time it's the Ascension was up and up and, up, and then everybody heard he was going to play for Link Academy. He's done really well this um this season so um you know i i to be honest with you i'm still shocked that he committed so early i thought it would yeah. play out a little bit more yeah. but i know there are different factors in play there but um huge pickup for north carolina and then you know the experience that he's going to have with this national team is going to be invaluable for sure no doubt about it yeah i mean because we talk about like that experience he had this past summer with the junior team and i think yeah. people might hear that and think oh it's it's just more of that no, this is like the the pro, the senior yeah. club. This is this yeah. is sweet. Like this is playing for Team USA on the dream. It's like that right. for Sweden. Uh, this yeah. is not some junior thing. I mean, this is massive. You look at these fourteen players. He is the only high schooler, yeah. at least that I can tell, of these fourteen. And so, um, I mean, what does that say? And and I know Sweden is not some world right. national basketball power, but still. What does this say about what a what a country believes in a 17, 18 year old young man? Right. They would call him to be part of this. Well, they, they they know that he's the future of basketball there. And so they they want to lock him into that. You know, it's, it's just like we do here. Like we lock our guys in early with the junior national team and stuff like that. And then there are sometimes when, they, you know, you see, I remember Christian, Christian Leitner, Leitner. That's exactly. Over, the, yes. Over Shaq, which was always something people. <laughs> People bad and I at now, but you got to remember Leitner and Shaq in college um, to really get the grasp of that. But just to keep them a part of the family, because, you know, um, you would think, oh, USA basketball, I'm going to play, you know, but when over here is different because, you know, there's celebrities over here. And so in the summer, they're like, I ain't giving them my summer to play in USA ba basketball and stuff like that. So it, it's a, just a way to lock him in because they look at him. Clearly, they look at him as the future. Um, of the Sweden national team. And so um, they're locking him in early and that's going to give him, I mean, man, <laughs> who was it that said, uh, I mean, I, I've seen quotes from Christian Leitner talking about his experience uh, with the USA team. And I mean, obviously that was quite a team. I mean, that team. was the original dream team. The if original recall, right? dream team yeah. You know, so that's invaluable experience. And that's something nobody can say to your point. Nobody's going to be able to say, Oh, I played with this guy and that guy. And so, I mean, while he's getting great training here at Link, playing a national schedule, that's just another tier um, that's going to help him grow as a player. And his ascension should certainly continue. 
Now, as we said, there are 14 players called. There will only be 12 that compete in these two qualifying games. There's one against Germany, one against Estonia. I mean, is is there any realistic shot of him to make a a top 12 when it's like, this is the only high schooler on this thing, right? Like, it's kind of like it's an honor to get called and and you're part of maybe a little bit of a training camp before the games actually play. But is there any realistic shot that he actually makes the roster that goes to play the games? I mean, a, a part of it is like, eh, you know, maybe we lock him in and he doesn't really expect to make it because, you know, part of it is kind of like, eh, I don't want our basketball to be looking like we're looking for high school. Kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, save us 15 year old. We know you can't drive, <laughs> but just save basketball for the country. We were that horrible. Uh, so, you know, it's a, a little bit you got to be careful with the PR of it all. You know what I'm saying? Um, but now if he gets down there and cuts up, which is totally possible. um. I, it wouldn't shock me because I think I think Elliot's a bad man, and he's had a strong year for Link. They just lost their first game to Montverde this past weekend. I mean, they got blown out of the water. Sorry, it's just the truth. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but Elliot was the one that showed up. You know, Elliot was the one that was. You know, he this season he's been more so been a distributor because we, we've talked about this before. He likes to pass more than he likes to score, and so. Um, but in this game, you know, he read. You know, he had to read the room and saw that they needed scoring, so he he was the one putting up points in that game. So I was really very impressed with how he played against the juggernaut that is Montverde Academy. <laughs> juggernaut is right, Jason Jordan. And so um, even, even if he's able to get a couple days at, at part of this training camp before the games take place, yeah. what could even just a couple games or a couple days worth of training camp with professionals do like what are, are there legit things he can take away from just a couple days of that absolutely i mean even just just soaking up knowledge um you know picking the brains of the veterans and uh, learning different nuances and things to you know uh moves to make and counter moves to make in this given situation and maybe you should think about like this because this guy did this and when he overplays then you can know the tendency that is, and he's like a student of the game. Like, so he's going to, so it, Elliot is very much a sponge. So um, a guy like that, and everybody's not like that. I mean, it's a throwaway quote to say, but he really is. So a guy like that who really soaks up knowledge uh, very quickly. I mean, you can see it in, he, he plays like three plays ahead. Hmm. Um, even in the course of a game, you can see it. He's always like this, always head on the swivel, always eyes up, never, uh, never sped up, always dictating pace and tempo. Guys like that. Um, who really can make uh, uh, pivots on the fly mentally, um, they soak up knowledge and they retain that knowledge. And so for him to be there with, um, you know, veteran squads and uh, older guys who have, you know, played at the highest level, um, yeah, that's going to be invaluable for him. And that can, that can you know, <laughs> that can take your game to a whole nother level. That's why I'm asking. Elliot Cadeau playing basketball the way Bobby Fisher plays chess, always three moves ahead. And by the way, folks, do not worry. This is not anything that will ruin his, you know, it's not some pro thing that stops him and he he misses game. Like this is totally above board, totally legit. So do not be afraid. They're great stuff from Jason Jordan, getting to talk about Jaron Stevenson and Elliot Cadeau today. Love that. Coming up, John Garcia Jr. joins us, our college football recruiting insider, to talk about Georgia Tech transfer Derek Allen, who's coming to Carolina to play with his brother. 
We are joined now by our college football recruiting insider, John Garcia Jr., the man you see behind him. Those watching, the clock is ticking to 2024. And John always joins us thanks to our friends at LinkedIn. We'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On Network. Folks, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's, again, why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. John, you never want to get hit by those terms and conditions, man. That'll put you in a bad way. <laughs> uh, um, hey folks, it is no secret that last season, North Carolina's defense struggled. That's probably putting it kindly under the return of Gene Chizik to the helm. One of the main culprits of that was the secondary. And so there have been several secondary transfers in already this season. So we want to be, or this off season, I should say, we want to begin now unpacking those, getting to know these guys a little bit. And I thought it would be John appropriate to start with the little family affair, Carolina, another defender, Marcus Allen, who got some run towards the end of the season, his brother, Derek, a guy from the secondary transfers in from Georgia Tech from my homeland. Let's go ATL, baby. So uh, uh, Derek um, comes after three years of experience at Georgia Tech, one year of eligibility left. And obviously we know, uh, Jason, there, there's some changes in the coaching staff in the secondary as well, which will obviously play a factor. Take this where you want to go with it. Yeah, this is, look, I, I think this one, First of all, it makes a lot of sense, right? I think when you're retooling any position group, there's got to be kind of the veteran guy who's been around and knows the ins and outs of, of the processes. And I think that's a role that Derek will occupy, as you mentioned, just one year of eligibility remaining. He spent time at Notre Dame. He spent three years at Georgia Tech. He's played like 35 college games. He's been <laughs> – around and experienced more than than just talent uh, can live up to um he was a high level recruit coming out i think that matters and you mentioned the family connection obviously the chance to play with little bro little big bro at this point <laughs> yeah right uh, gotta be cool right for that entire allen family um you know after they all starred there in the atlanta area as you mentioned but i think there's kind of a, a bit of an underestimation going on with what he can do on the field i mean mm, this was a borderline top 100 recruit coming out of high school. I remember uh, scouting him plenty uh, down in Marietta. And, and this was a guy that just looked and felt like the next big balanced safety. And I think, you know, right around that time is when we really started to see the game change and kind of evolve to this very much basketball on grass, spread first, throw it everywhere type of sport. So I think physicality-wise, he was a little bit on the on the front end of that uh, mm -hmm. from a height and weight standpoint. He was always big, 6'2", 6'3", well over 200 pounds. So I think it took him some time to gain his footing because of that. But since that point, I think you've seen a lot of balance and versatility in Derek's game. He's comfortable playing you know, that deep, classic center field safety. But his frame suggests he could be a bit of a hybrid too, come mm -hmm. down in the box, play a little bit of nickel linebacker, dime linebacker, whatever it may be. So I think that physical versatility and the experience and instincts that come along with, with that maturity can pair very well with 
moving around amid a, a secondary that's going to have some growing pains, right? A lot of new faces <laughs> coming from a lot of new places, new coaches in place on top of that. He's going to be that continuity, fill in the gaps kind of guy. So it might not be evident on the stat sheet. It might not be evident in the starting lineup at times. But when you get into the rotation, you're game planning and you're trying to get guys in the right position, I think that type of experience is going to be invaluable for this this Carolina secondary, which, like you said, Isaac, it needs so much work going into 2023, uh, into the 23 season, I should say. So I do think this one makes a ton of sense. And there's some motivation, motivational factors beyond that, you know, beyond even family. This is it for him. You know, it's a one-shot, one-year, one-shot kind of deal. No more COVID year, extra year of eligibility, none of that stuff. This is it for for Derek. So there is an outside chance, and I know few are, are talking about this. There's an outside chance. Hey, if you want to continue playing football, you, you got to hit it right right now. You got to hit it right as a super senior or whatever we want to call him uh, from an <laughs> eligibility standpoint. So I do think that's a, a heck of a reason to get up and get after it every single day. So I like this on and off the field for North Carolina. That's great. And and I think something that plays into it, John, is what you talked about with that versatility. Um, because as we know, under Gene Chizik, Carolina kind of plays what essentially is a base 4-2-5, where you've got the ability to be on that back end or come up into that nickel position, as you talked about. If you're if you're this coaching staff, if you're Gene Chizik or Jason Jones or Charlton uh, Warren trying to bring it all together as position. Do you, do you want to get a guy slotted into one of those roles or do you want to have the ability um, to like, hey, in a given scheme or against a given opponent, we we might shift you around a little bit? You know, wh- which way do you lean on that conversation? I probably lean towards the latter, right? You, you want everybody to be able to theoretically play every single spot. And I think the timing of these guys getting on campus early is going to help with all of that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got spring ball ahead. And that's where you make these experimental moves, right? Hey, can can Derek play in the box more than not? How comfortable is he playing deep at, at this stage of his development? Um, you know, smart player, instinctive player, how much of that factors in? And, and I think, yeah, the opponent is going to have a huge say in what the rotation and personnel eventually look like. If you're playing Pitt, you know, in 2022, it's – let me get this guy in the box and get ready to, to stop this pro-style attack. But if it was the year prior, you probably line him up deep because Kenny Pickett and, and Jordan Addison, those guys were throwing it around everywhere. So it depends on the year and the scheme that you're facing. But I think in both roles, uh, I think Derek Allen can find a fit. And again, in between the margins, he really uh, will, will help everybody else kind of get up to speed because there's going to be that combination of – new faces and an experience going forward. Uh, and he's, he's got, you know, the, the counter to that on his side. So I think you experiment in the spring and then you help it get settled in, into the fall. And I think, yeah, his role will probably be closer to the line of scrimmage. If I had to guess right now, compared to that traditional center field role. Okay. That's good to know, man. It would be fun to see two siblings starting in the defensive secondary together. That would just be, that's just one of those cool things that for them, I mean, we, we always talk about the wins and losses and stats and all this just from a family perspective, John, like what, what a neat story that would be to tell for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's just not something you see all the time. I mean, even siblings that are, you know, known for, for that Carolina blue, like, 
Like you think of the like Drake May's family, right? I mean, <laughs> they're known for, but how much of it did it really overlap, right? It wasn't it wasn't directly on top of each other. So for the Allen brothers to be able to do it in this modern age of the portal and and uh, going against convention in that regard, I think it's really cool. Um, you know, his his dad was a guy we communicated, or their dad was a guy we communicated with a lot during the recruiting process. Always excited to see. Um, you know, their names anywhere on a publication or any of that stuff. So to, to see that on the same roster, I know is something uh, that, that they only dreamed about. So even though it's only going to be for, you know, the next 10 months or so, pretty darn cool to see it uh, come to fruition, almost no matter what happens. That's great. And listen, folks, let's always remember the humanity in this, that uh, like at the end of the day, these are young men just having fun playing together. This is a dad, as uh, as John just talked about, who just thinks it's cool to see his boys' names in publications and in writing. Uh, man, if that doesn't tug at your heartstrings, I don't know what does. As John said, spring practice just around the corner. Carolina kicks off on March 5th, so we are less than a month away wild stuff there. John Garcia Jr., thank you for helping us get to know Derek Allen a little better. We're already, man, enthralled with Marcus and what he brought at the end of the season last year. Should be a fun year to see what the secondary does trying to come back from last year. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Big thanks to both Jason Jordan and John Garcia Jr. for joining us to talk basketball and football recruiting coming up tomorrow. We get ready for Clemson coming into the Dean Dome on Saturday. Y'all, I I don't know what else to say. You just got to go do it. Hopefully this players meeting coming after the game on Tuesday night will have done something. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Make sure you follow both Jason and John on Twitter. And you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Shoot the show an email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com always taking nominations for the heel of the week and the heel of the week would love to get that from you please don't forget to subscribe to the show listen we are less than 200 subscriptions away from 5,000. we'd love to get there before we hit march hit smash the like button and leave a comment also don't forget to check out locked on's brand new podcast locked on college basketball myself and andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court throughout the college basketball landscape locked on college basketball available on youtube and anywhere else you get podcasts folks i hope you have a great rest of your day remember it's always a great day to be a tar heel and until tomorrow peace <laughs>